Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I've got the very great privilege of being able to spend some time up here on stage with a man who's been in my life for many, many years. Um, I have my biological father here this morning, which is awesome. He's here every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. He's just like Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's just always here. But in more recent times, um, my spiritual father has resigned his church that he's been leading and uh, decided to join us here at Victory, which is just a real thrill for me. But this man first came into my life way back in 1986. Can you believe this? Many of you weren't even born, particularly over in this area here, 1986. It was the year Top Gun, the movie, came out. Greatest film in the whole wide world. And he came and did a, a guest appearance at our church, unbeknownst to us that he was actually looking to become the new pastor of the church that we belong to. And from 1987 to 1992, he pastored that church. He became my spiritual father, my pastor, mentor, and friend, and he's been in my life ever since. And uh, that makes me old. And uh, it's just a real privilege to have someone of this stature, this quality, uh, in my life for such a long period of time. In actual fact, you know, God has blessed me in many ways, but I would say the thing that makes me rich, the thing that makes me truly rich are the relationships that I have. And the relationships that I've kept over many, many years. And this man certainly fits into that category. And I want you to stand your feet because I want you to welcome him. Put your hands together. I speak of my pastor, friend, mentor, and his name is Paul Benithan. Let's put our hands together. Give me one of your Paul hugs. Come on. Please take a seat, as may we all take a seat. You want to say hi, Paul? Hi, everyone. I used to call him affectionately Pastor Paul back in the day, but I'll just call you Paul today. How's that? Is that all right? You'll do me just fine. Fantastic. It was such a sweet moment before the service started. We got up here and I was showing him uh, microphone technique and all the things that he did for me back in the day. I said, hey, this is how you use a microphone. Anyway. Um, I, it was a special little moment for me. It was so, good in the moment. It was good. It was just great. Uh, this, this, this is uh, a moving moment for me, so I'm just going to try and say as little as I possibly can and let Paul do most of the talking. But what I've done is just prepared a few questions. I'm going to fire them at Paul and see where we go from there. How does that sound? I know this. You'll be blessed by the end of whatever it is we have to say. And so by way of kicking us off, Paul, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, married, kids, ministry, etc.? That'd be fantastic. Yeah, all of that. <laughs> yeah, I was born in Adelaide here uh, a good few years ago now, 64 to be exact, and um, got married in 1973, still married to the same girl. She was a, she's a beauty. I took one girl to an Easter camp and brought this one home. Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa! I never knew that! No, I'm not saying anymore. You can wait for another time. <laughs> I've known you for almost 30 years. I haven't got time. Come and tell us. <laughs> so uh, we, had a, we had a great life together right from the word go. I said, I'm, I'm ignoring that question. 
right from the word go, I said to I said to Gay, I said, look, this is where my life is heading. Um, before we get too involved, before we get too caught up with each other, do you believe that you can run with me in this life? And uh, we'd only been going together, as I rec- recollect it, about six weeks. And she said to me, she said, yeah, I can do that. And so uh, we went on from there. Because as I look back, didn't know what I was doing at the time, but as I look back, I was getting my priorities right for what I believe God had spoken to my life. We could have married and settled down, but it wouldn't have been the best that God wanted for us. But we have found a life together that we have seen hundreds, probably thousands of people uh, in, in, in the church experiences we've had across, across the years. Uh, move on in God, be growing in God and, and coming to life and finding fulfillment, finding hope, finding a, a reason for living uh, and, and a reason to do family and a reason to serve one another. And it's been a real blessing. So we're having a blessed life. We have four children. After we were told we couldn't have any, but we would have four children. And so uh, my wife managed to fit uh, four children under the age of six years of age. So she was a busy girl. And, uh, and I, I just, I just want to say, I just want to say, I, I just... Uh, I'm just amazed. I want to say to every, every man that's here, if you're not yet a father, you need to be at the birth of your child. Unless there's a medical reason why it can't happen, you need to be there. Because you will see something in that moment that will just stick with you forever. When you see that little babe born and takes its first gasp of breath and you see how beautifully and wonderfully it's formed, you can never not be amazed at the goodness and grace and creativity of God. Would it be fair to say you'd also see another side of your wife in that moment? <laughs> well, I know my hand was breaking. It was being squeezed. The best part, she couldn't count to three. She'd go, one, two, what's next, what's next? One, two. I said, three, three, go to three, get to three. Push the three button. It'll happen, it'll happen. And it was, a, it was a great time just being there. And, and, and this is the other side of it, is seeing my wife there delivering our children, knowing that I'd caused the pain and seeing all the anguish on the face, and yet the moment the little one was presented to her, it just changed to this serene peace wow. and joy. And I can't, can't even begin to describe what it is to see that change go on and on. I can only stand in awe. As a fella, I really have not got, I have not got anything to measure that against. I can only stand in awe and observe and, and hope to respond appropriately at the right times. And uh, when it comes to being there, when, when growth is happening down the road a bit, you need to remember that, hey, it wasn't you that paid the price to bring that little one into the world, but you're there now as, as husband and father to nurture, teach, train, instruct, encourage, support, protect, look after, care for, keep in a place of safe environment so that that little one can grow up strong and steadfast and not, not be hurt and damaged. Now, I know, I know there may be some of you here today that uh, 
haven't had the best example as a father. Maybe your home life wasn't as good as it should be. Well, I want to say to you, that's why, that's one of the reasons why God has orchestrated church. Because you can find, your children can find safety and protection inside church. Your children can find a blessing of having brothers and sisters if you've only got one child. You can find other women or other men who have been through circumstances like you might be going through that they can encourage you and strengthen you. And most of all, you have a promise from God that says for the widow that he would be their husband and for the man who looks to him, he would be their strength. And you have those promises to hang on to. So we had four children, three boys and then a young lady. And uh, Benjamin is, uh, is 37, nearly 38. Uh, Wes is uh, 35. Uh, Jonathan's 33. And, uh, and Kimberly, she's, she's just a... Uh, I've got that right, haven't I? I'm sure I have. 31, coming up 31. And uh, great kids, really wonderful kids. Love the kids. They really add something to your life. They really give you a, a wonderful sense of fulfillment. And of course, now we have uh, uh, six grandchildren and another one on the way, so seven grandkids as well. So it's just beaut. Two of our boys are in ministry, and the other two uh, may as well be in ministry. I, d- I don't see any difference in the contributions that those children are making to the churches they belong to. You're fortunate, I think you've got two here now, but one's in, one's in Queensland and one's in the city, in Adelaide City, and one, the other two. Um, so they are serving God, and nothing delights my heart more as a dad than to see my children, our children, serving God and going on with him. If your child has wandered away a little bit, don't give up. Don't, whatever you do... Don't give up. You are still their father. And your prayers have a power. Your prayers have a strength with God. Because it's the father God who came seeking the lost on earth. And that same, that same capacity, that same passion is able to come out of your heart to reach out for your children. And it will change how you act and what you can do for your children. You can reach your children. Believe for them, pray for them, expect the best for them, and God will touch their hearts, soften their hearts, change their ways, and you too will see them come and respond to you, and come and respond again, not only to the house of God, but to God himself. Praise his name. That's great. You've been in ministry a number of years. How many exactly, and where has that taken you? Oh, wow. Well... I started as a youth leader in my father's church, but if I don't count that church, because I left there and went to Victoria. Any Victorians here? Uh, we'll pray for you later. It'll be okay. It'll be a, there is life after Victoria. I, I've, I've tried Victoria three times, and only wild horses and the direct command of God would send me back. To Victoria, <laughs> but anyway, it's a word from the Lord. <laughs> I'm not biased, but you know how it is. So uh, we we've been in four states across our married life, uh, serving the Lord in in churches of various sizes, from uh, 
a small brand new outreach church in, in, in Devonport, Tasmania, that uh, when we arrived, we made 10 adults and we had about four or five young people. And in 18 months, we saw that grow to 180 people. That was back in the days of the old coffee shops. Oh, we still have coffee shops today, don't we? Yeah. That was the back of the days of the old coffee shop. That was the day I had to stand in the doorway and keep a hell's angel out. That uh, Now we're trying to get them in, aren't we? We have a different approach now. We have a different reason. We have a different understanding. And then we're in Melbourne and uh, then country Victoria, Warrigal, then up to Sydney, two churches in, in the western Sydney area taking over from one guy who had a, had a, a breakdown. Um, we're in a big church in, in, in uh, Western Sydney, Penrith area, that uh, grew to be over a 1,000 strong. And I wasn't the senior leader. I was the senior associate in that work. But we saw God do some great things. Then back to Melbourne, and then finally from Melbourne across to Living Faith Fellowship at uh, St Agnes. And then from there into town to the mother church of the, that movement, then out to paradise for a while. Thought I'd give both goes a bit of a dash, you know. I like double-headed ice creams, <laughs> rum and raisin on one side, banana on the other. You've got to have a, you know, a mixture of taste, so both ones. Then down to a church down south, and then here we are. This is, this is the 12th church we've been involved in, in areas of ministry and care. Most or many of the other churches had seen difficult times. It's nice to come to a church that's enjoying some liberty and freedom and the blessing of God on it. Praise God. You know, many people I know leave churches for the wrong reason. The fact that Paul has mentioned he's been in 12 churches, they are for good reasons. God has moved this man around the country, I believe, to be a blessing as he was to me in my formative years. Uh, which brings me to this question. I mentioned that you were my pastor for five and a half years. Uh, I know s some of the people out there want to know some of the dirt on me. What, what was one highlight that stands out, or for the sake of time, uh, maybe one? Just, just one. I remember a friendly soccer match where it's got to be more than one. Just okay. <laughs> <laughs> Soccer match. The, the, we, we, us, us Orsorans were holding these young bucks at bay right until about the last minute of the second half. And then another young man that was in our church came running down the right-hand side of the, of the field and uh, of the pitch. And then he crossed the ball. And Tony, I was kind of marking Tony. I think that's what I was doing. I was there on the field anyway. I was doing my best to block it. But anyway... This ball crossed over and he took this dive and put the ball in the back of the net and they said, yeah, he's got it, we're up. I thought, that's not fair. It's supposed to dive on the ground like that. You're getting dirty, you know. This is a, this is a clean game, an upright game. Well, we had a lot of fun. A lot of kids had a lot of fun and, and uh, I'm not sure how, we, how that began, but we did that. We had uh, 21st birthdays with the Rainbow family. I even went to these guys' weddings. Uh, they had other things that they got involved in uh, that we were involved at. We went roller skating together. We didn't much together. But I'm going to say this now. That fathers hear a lot of dirt, but fathers don't pass it on. Unless I Thank really, you. Unless I really have to. 
<laughs> hey, hey, as a father, you will hear, you will hear lots. And you want to protect the future. You want to protect the innocence of your children. You want to look after them. So don't throw it in their face. Don't make a public display of it. Show love and grace. Show a father's heart. Did Father God, has Father God ever thrown your sin in your face? Never. He shows you love and grace. We should do the same. Wow, that's a great answer. <laughs> it's a great answer because it protects me. It's just a great teaching moment. Any of you young guys who aren't even, you know, married, need to lock that one away. Fathers protect. It's just awesome. Thank you for that. Um, in the Bible, Paul talks about having 10,000 guardians. Um, he talks about not having many fathers. But he says this to this particular church, I became your father. It was, it was an action. It wasn't something that was imposed. He, he obviously did something yeah. that the 10,000 out there weren't doing. Weren't doing, no. Um, you certainly became that for me. Can you speak into that? What's, what is the difference between being a guardian versus becoming a father? I think a guardian, let me just say that it's, it's easy to become the biological father. It's much harder to be a father to a son or a daughter. It's much harder to be a, a father in the household and really care, not for your own benefit, but for the long haul, the long-sighted goal for that particular child that you're particularly fathering at that time. And so to be a... Guardians, are, guardians anyone can teach. I could buy... I can buy a book about almost any subject. Or better than that today, I can go on YouTube and get someone to give me a little demonstration tape on how to do this or do that or whatever. But the YouTube will run out after three and a half minutes and you're left alone. But a father will stick beside you. A father will stand beside you. A father will put his arm around your shoulder and say, listen, if you go down that path, this is what's going to happen. If you come along this path, this is what can happen. If you put the effort in and take the third path, this is where you can really end up. And so a father gives of himself in order to fulfill that, in order to bring to pass that, that, that teaching moment, that instruction. But he does it more than just by teaching. A father will do it by example. And... Uh, and you know, you want that example to, to rub off. You want that example to be absorbed by the child. In fact, someone once said to me, they said, I can't hear the words your mouth is saying. Your actions are speaking too loud. And so I decided, firstly, let my actions, let my actions uh, be supported by my words. Let them not be in conflict with each other. It's easy to say words. We, we all know, we all know words are cheap, can be cheap. Sometimes there are good words, but they can be cheap. But words gain tremendous value when they become backed up and supported by, or indeed simply support the actions we already exhibit and the attitudes. Good.
in Proverbs it says, train a child in the way that they should go and they will not depart from them. Yeah. Um, can you flesh out that proverb for us in 2013? Wow. We got another hour. Hey, train a child. Tra train, train's not just teach. Train is not just teach. Again, you can give instruction, but as I best recall it, when I did play a bit of football and we had to go to training, each week it was repetition. The coach would put out the cups on the ground and we had to run around the cups and back again. And you did the same exercise each week. You did the same handball exercises each week. And training was more than... He didn't just teach us how to handball. We had to train and practice and practice and practice. And training a child is actually putting those, those methods, those ideals, those actions, those attitudes into practice. Not just saying, hey, there's a good attitude, you know, pick it up if you like or put it down. No. You, you, you won't get a child to sit still on a chair if the only time you practice sitting the child still on a chair is when you're out at someone's place for a meal and you really want to impress them. That, that'll never happen. You won't, a child won't learn good manners just by watching cartoon shows. You need to sit them up to the table and say, look, this is your fork, this is your spoon, this is how we eat, this is how we eat properly. And you know what that does? That makes you do it properly first. Yeah. You didn't know that when you're having kids, did you? <laughs> see, see, our children are not Christmas or birthday puppies. That when they've grown past their furry, feathery stage, we can send them off to the pound. Or get rid our children we have with us for life. And so when we say, oh, I want a child, I want to have a baby, I want to be a, I want to be a dad, we have to realise that we are committing huge sums of time and effort. Now, I've got to say this in defence of men, that when the fella comes home from work, He's, he's a bit tired, yeah. But the little babe, all she wants is mum. Or all he wants is mum. It's mum. It's and, and, and this is what gets me about this. is The mother can tell by the squawk, whether it's a wet squawk, a hungry squawk, or a cold squawk. Have you found that out yet? The kid goes, <coughs> She says, that one's cold. You can go and tuck it in. Or she says, that's wet. I'll go and change its pants. Or if it's the other one, bring it here and I'll feed it. A mum can tell that. Mums, you've got to understand, us fellas have no idea. It's just a noise in the shadowy dark somewhere. <laughs> We're not getting out of bed for it. This is my sleep. I have to work tomorrow. Hey, stop being such a pussy. Get up out of your bed and go and do something. Go and lend out. Hey, listen, you might have only had a small part, but you played just a bigger part in getting this thing started, this baby, as what your wife did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he said. So don't back out on the opportunity. Don't back out. So, so I'm, just, I'm just pleading a little bit for men, though, is because in those first little while, first few months, first few years, baby simply cries out for mum. And, and look, 
I can't, I can't, I can't feed very well. There's a whole range of stuff I can't do. I can't do. But I cannot forget that as that child grows older, it will begin to look for me. And I cannot afford to be absent. When that child comes looking, I can't be disappeared doing something else. Listen, your golf game, I don't care how good a golf game is. If you can't present your children, but you have a wonderful golf game, you've failed, in my opinion. If you can present your son and your daughter with you playing a wonderful golf game, hey, well done. You've combined your most important responsibility and your fun time pleasure together and done it well. Fantastic. But your first priority, your first importance is that, that child. Maybe I should be exactly correct and say mother first and then those children. They are yours. Look after those children. You, if you ever wonder what's going inside the head of that child, look at yourself because that child is half you. It's half you. Half of it is thinking like you. Half of it is doing what you did. Can you remember when you were young? No, some of you don't want to go there. (laughs) But hey, that child, you know what's inside that child. I came in one day. We'd been out in the shed doing something. I came in, helped myself to the fridge, glass of of cordial, and had slaked my first, and it was great. And Gay pulled in beside me. She said, uh, what are you doing? Ah, oh, I just had a drink. The boys just come in. She said, don't you think the boys would want one? I said, well, yeah, they can ask for it. <laughs> she said, are you hot and thirsty? Yeah. Well, why don't you give them a drink too? If you're thirsty, they're thirsty. You know, that was a, a moment. That was a light bulb moment for me. Oh, wow. So Dad's... You might be a little bit out of place for the first little while, but it's going to come good. You'll get plenty of work to do. So be there and be there for your children. Wow. You enjoying this? It's hard to believe we're almost out of time. I've got two more questions, and they have to be short for the sake of moving on. Um, The $64 million question that every young parent wants to know is how to discipline children. So, do you believe in disciplining? Absolutely. And where does smacking fit into that, if at all, for you? Um, you? You have to do something to bring the child up short. They get locked in on what they're doing, and something has to happen in their little environment to, for them to know that what I'm doing is not right, not acceptable, not good enough, I'm not listening, and be brought short. So, a small uh, stroke of wisdom to the seat of understanding (laughs) is a good thing. It's... Never discipline out of anger. Never, never, never. Walk away. Walk away. Leave the situation. Walk away. If you're angry, if if they've just broken your best mirror, if the child has just run the wheelbarrow into the side of the new car, walk away. Do not discipline in that moment because it's going to be way over the top. You're going to, you're going to be working out of hurt, anxiety, anxiousness, insurance bills. Your mind's gone a thousand miles. The child just made a simple 
mistake. It's called learning. Learning boundaries. Learning how far I can go. So please don't do that. Don't do that. But you do need to do something with a child. They're, they're doing something. They're engaged. They're, they're, they're away with the little green frog and they haven't even heard you. Not, they don't know. They need sometimes just a little, just a little clip because they will associate that moment with that little clip on their backside and that will lock into their thinking and they'll begin to learn. They'll begin to be trained. Wow. Well, thank you for that answer. I know it's not the popular one, but thank you. appreciate that. And again, what you need to understand about Paul, he has a track record. The Bible says it this way. Wisdom is proven right by their children. If you want to know the wisdom of Paul's advice, look at his four kids, and they are great kids. Let's not get caught up in the heat of a conversation. Let's look over. I would encourage you for every conversation that you're involved in, look over the person's shoulder and see the example they have left or the mess they have left. That will say more about what, what they're saying at that moment than anything else. And Paul has an incredible legacy. And the advice he's given, I would, I would seriously consider it based upon the legacy he's left as a result of putting that into practice. One last thing. Um, if you could leave us with one thought, a charge to all the men, all the dads out there, what would it be? Oh, it's the most valuable commodity you have. It's called time. I'd come home from my work afternoon, much to my wife's uh, concerns. I'd gather the boys up. We'd sit in front of what used to be the Bugs Bunny show. I'd have one on my lap, one this side, one that side. Kimberly, not yet old enough really to be uh, much out of a cot, uh, out of the cradle. I'd sit there and watch the Bugs Bunny show with them. Half the time I went to sleep, to be honest. But you know what? When I walked in the door, those three boys would line up to come and sit on the chair with me just to get time with Dad, wow. just to get time with Dad. And in hindsight, I look back and I say, the best gift I can give to my children is to give them the time. Give them time. Sometimes it's time that's just, it's a, it's a lump of time that doesn't seem to achieve much, but it's building trust, it's building confidence, it's building hope, it's building a sense of, Dad really likes me. He's with me. He's spending time with me. And later on, when you need to discipline that child or redirect that child or talk to your child, you're not coming as a stranger. You're coming as a trusted friend and a confident that they've spent time with. And uh, you, can't, you can't do better than spend time. By all means, use time to do... Take the kids down to the shed and show them things. When you're out doing something in the garden, show them what you're doing. When you're playing with the car, show them what you're doing. Teach them. You're, because while you're, while you're showing them things, you're, you're feeding into their beings. You're feeding into their subconscious. You're feeding into their, their, their mental capacities. A whole range of lessons in life. Give them your time. Give them your time. Thanks, Tony. Well, I want to say thank you for giving us your time. Let's put our hands together for Paul and what he shared. Thank you, Mike. 
Again, I just want to reiterate, this is what makes me feel like a rich man. And if you don't have something like this in your life, I would say seek it. Go after it. Hold on to it if you have it. And don't let it go easily. Because to be able to be here in 2013, having first met in 1986, is a real thrill. It's a real privilege. And I just want to say thanks for all the input you've given into my life and Cass' life. This is a man who married us. Um, he, he was the one who was, you know, disciplining us, correcting us, teaching us, all those things he shared today. And he did that and he didn't have to. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you've invested into me. And all this is part of your inheritance. It's part of your reward. And we're just so glad that you can be a part of it in this season of your life. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.